Um, we are looking at this uh, next um, story about boats, except it's not really about boats. I'm just going to get my magic thing out of my pocket. Here we go. Is it working? Yes. Now, um, uh, uh, in November, I had the joy of going to the land of America, okay? Um, and while I was there, I also had the joy of going on a retreat with someone called Richard Raw, Yoda to some of us. And uh, it was fantastic. It was really interesting. And Richard was sharing a whole load of uh, teaching about who Jesus is and how we understand some really big, fancy concepts about that. And uh, it was really interesting being the Brit in a room full of Americans, um, some of whom were my friends, people I was just getting to know. Um, but I was listening to the conversations that were happening. I was listening to Richard um, speaking about this new book that he was writing and I was really conscious of some of the things that Jesus taught about, like forgiveness and loving our enemies and all of these things. And just like here, and as Dan has talked about already, we have the Brexit divide. When you're in the States, there's a certain other divide. <laughs> that we can be really conscious of when we're out there. And so the conversation was going on and then I was asked to do a little reflection um, one, uh, one of the evenings. And I just asked a question and it was this. If all this teaching about Jesus is true, then how do we love the person that we struggle with the most? And maybe for some of us, that might be the president of the country that we are a part of. And this was one of the replies. I could never be in the same room as him. I could never be in the same room as him. And I get that. But I also knew that it felt a little bit ugly. And so I thought about it some more and I realized that um, that response can also be my response sometimes. There are occasions where I don't want to be in the same room as them. There are people that I put on the other side of the line to me. There are people that I other. And I don't want to cross the line. And it feels ugly. And it's in our othering that we get this thing that some people call 
stinking thinking where we make ourselves the righteous one and God is on our side. I used to play hockey. You'd never guess that, would you, with a physique like this? Um, I used to play hockey and uh, there was a thing that used to be shouted at us all the time and it was this, turn and face! Turn and face! All right, okay, turn and face. There was this challenge that always came that instead of running away from the very hard ball that was about to be whacked at you. The encouragement was always, turn and face. And I just want you to hold on to that. As we reflect on a phrase which is, I could not be in the same room as him. With a command in hockey which is, just turn and face. And this story we have of Jonah. So today we're talking about Jonah, and it's Jonah and a big fish. It's not a whale. Apologies to anybody who believes the pictures in the kids' Bibles. Um, So the question for me as I was looking at this um, was to ask, why was this story told? Why was this story told, and why does it keep being told, and what might we learn from it for uh, today? And it's really important, isn't it, for us to remember that we are all often uh, victims of kind of enlightenment and reformation thinking where we read a text like this and the first thing that springs to our mind is, is it true? Is all this true? Like we're watching a documentary on telly, like everything we're reading is being presented to us as a set of facts. But I want to encourage us today to just think a little bit differently if that's where we find ourselves and to read it a little bit differently and to explore it maybe metaphorically or symbolically or to become an insider to it and see what we might get from it instead of skimming over the surface. So here's Jonah and he is called by God to go to Nineveh. Now, Nineveh um, is near Mosul. So we've heard of Mosul, haven't we? We've heard of Mosul because of uh, wars um, most recently. We know that uh, there's a a gateway in Mosul that ISIS destroyed that you may um, remember being on the news. Um, And it was the capital of the Assyrian Empire. Okay? And it was the center for the worship of the goddess Ishtar. Now, it dominated the biblical Middle East from the 9th to the 7th century. It was a fierce and cruel nation. You can read stuff about this in Two Kings, okay? It was a fierce and cruel... They did bad things to people. Like they invaded people, they took people hostage, they deported people... They were unkind and cruel to other peoples and nations. So they were hated. It is no wonder (laughs) when Jonah is asked by God to go to Nineveh that his reply is, on your way. I would never cross the room. 
I would never be in the room with them. No way. I would never be in the same space as them. You have got to be joking. Can you hear the connection? I don't want to be in the same room as the president. I'd never go to Nineveh. Like, you do understand God, who they are. And instead of following God's invitation, Jonah runs in the opposite direction. And I would suggest that the invitation in this story is not to a set of beliefs about who God is, because Jonah had got a really clear idea about what he thought God was all about. It was about his people and not other people. The invitation that God calls Jonah to is to a way of living which is to love others and to love even your enemy. And Jonah doesn't want to go there. And I reckon in his head he played all sorts of games about how he was justifying his, I'm not going there, you do realize who they are, right, obviously. How often do we justify our, I'm right, they're wrong? How often do we do exactly the same thing? So Jonah refused to go to Nineveh. In his view, they were undeserving of God because of who they were. So what does he do? Does his own thing. First he goes to Joppa and then gets on board a boat, sails off to the direction of Tarshish. So he's running away. He's going in the opposite direction. He knows best. His way is the way. His thinking is the best thinking. And a storm brews up. He stays hidden in the bottom of the boat. The sailors who we were with, who are of a different tradition to him, ask him all sorts of questions. Who are you? What is it you do? They ask Jonah to identify himself. Who is it that you are? And then they row for a bit. And then eventually they throw him in. But there's a moment in the story where before they throw him in, Jonah asks them to throw him in. And I just wonder if in that moment, Jonah is full of a recognition that the running away is having the undesired impact. And he is overcome with shame. Shame. The feeling that washes over us and makes us feel so flawed that we question whether we're worthy of love, belonging, and connection. It's a quote from Rene Brown. Shame is the feeling that washes over us, that makes us feel so flawed 
that we question whether we're worthy of love, belonging, and connection. Here we have Jonah who has gone his own way and it ain't working. So the sailors, they throw him into the water. He's swallowed by a huge fish. And the story says that he stayed in his belly for three days. And then I love the fact that it then says he was vomited <laughs> onto the land. I wonder if Jonah had an addiction to his own way of thinking, to his own stinking thinking. That his choices and his thinking and his beliefs about other people who were different to him were based not on who he was following, but on his own self-interest. They weren't based on love. Stinking thinking. My way is best and blind to any other way. Some of you will have seen this before. This is a Jahari window. Put your hand up if you've seen this before. Excellent. So you all know about it. You all apply it every day. Yeah. Jahari window is just a way of exploring what we are blind to of ourselves. So there's stuff, for those of you that don't know, there's stuff about us that is obvious to ourselves and obvious to others. It's called our transparent area. There is stuff about us that we keep hidden. It's known to us, but it's unknown to others. And then there is the blind area. The things that we don't know of ourselves, but other people can see wonderfully clearly. But we won't see it. And when it's offered to us as an observation, sometimes we deny it. And we react against what has been highlighted to us. Just a thought. Maybe Jonah was blind. Maybe he just couldn't see it. And the experience in the story of being in the belly of the fish was being made aware of what he was blind to. And there's another bit of the Jahari window, which is the potential discovery area. That when we become aware of the things that are not as they should be, what opens up is space and growth and opportunity. On, uh, so last week, I, um, I was thinking about uh, the talk for today and I decided I would go to an AA meeting. I don't know how many of you have ever been. To, you don't need to put your hands up. Um, I don't know how many of you have ever been to an AA meeting. I'm not an alcoholic, by the way. Um, but I wanted to. I wanted. 
I knew there was a connection for me in this story and addiction. Addiction to a way of thinking that you are absolutely convinced is the right way. And I went because I wanted to understand addiction a little better. And I went because I wanted to listen and not to have to speak. And I went because I wanted to consider my own addictions. Because I know and you know that all of us have them. So mine is an alcohol. But there are other things, aren't there? Like that belief that our way is the only way. Like that way of thinking that my way is the right way. For some of us, our addictions might be control, or anger, substances, power, position, your body. There's a song in The Greatest Showman, which I'm not going to sing. You'll be pleased to know. Um, but Dave Parr, where's Dave Parr? At the back. It's Dave's favorite. Never enough, Dave. You love it, I know. Never enough hand movements. If you've seen the film, there's lots of hand movements in there. What you understand about addiction is that it is insatiable and there's never enough. Never enough. So I'm outside the meeting. And I pace up and down, which is weird because I'm not an alcoholic. (laughs) But the reason was because I knew I was entering a space where the only thing that is allowed to be there is brutal honesty. And I have to be honest with you and say it was the most honest space I have ever been in in my life. I was pacing outside because I was afraid of what people would be like and how they would treat me as an outsider. But it was one of the most impactful things that I have done in a very, very long time. And in essence, because you don't speak about what happens in detail... When you go to an AA meeting, you enter a space where everyone knows that they're not in charge (laughs) because they know it doesn't work for them. Everyone in that room is flawed and equally powerless. And when you enter the room, you know that every single person has been running away making excuses, doing it their way, and instead of dying in the storm, made a decision that they would die to self, and as a result, they have lived. Everyone knows that their way wasn't working, and so they had to jump from the boat into the abyss into the dark, into the belly, into the chaos. Step one says this, we admitted that we were powerless over alcohol. 
that our lives had become unmanageable. And here's Jonah. He had it all his way. And then this thing happens where suddenly his way isn't working. And if I don't stop running and hiding, I will simply stop existing. So Jonah enters the abyss. Jonah enters the chaos. Jonah enters the darkness of the belly of the fish. And he takes the anger, and it's not fair, God, that you want to bring your message to this cruel and fierce and hated people. It's not fair. And all of that he takes into the belly, into the death. To admit that we make a mistake or get something wrong or that our thinking has been off is a painful realization and place to be. And that is step one. We admitted that we were powerless. And in the belly of fish, Jonah died to self, to his own way and his way of thinking. See, the truth is that we only come to our senses when we are brought to our knees. We only come to our senses when we are brought to our knees. The way of following God, the way of following Jesus, is a way of descent. It is not about ascent to a set of beliefs. It is the way of descent, of dying to self in order that we might live the way of love. Which takes us into this zone of discovery, of growth, of expansion, of something new being possible. You see, when you forgive someone, growth comes. When you love someone, the world expands. When you're patient with someone, life feels bigger. When you're self-controlled, your relationships find healing. So Jonah is puked up. He moves forward from death and takes this new message to a people who have been going the wrong way. And what happens? It's really interesting if you read on the next two very short chapters. It talks about them all wearing sackcloth, even the animals. Can you imagine? I don't funny picture in my mind, but anyway. When you move forward, transformation comes. When you move forward, the world seems to expand. You see, when we go our own way, when we run away, things reduce, become less, become smaller, things just die. So one of the people I spoke to outside the other night 
said this. I died. I had to. But now I am here. So this story of Jonah whispers to us to die to self. To do the work we need to in the belly of the fish. And then find ourselves in a new land, in a bigger space, where our faith is full in how we love everyone as God does. Gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and abounding in love. And there's this constant little dialogue that goes on in the last two chapters where God just keeps nudging Jonah in this story. Should I not have concern for Nineveh? Should I not care for Nineveh? For Jonah, for you, for me, our faith is real when we turn and face when we move across the line with love and not hate. And our journey to this, being a reality, is the way we live our daily lives, by being shipwrecked, dying to self. I love this quote. There are only, these are the only genuine ideas, the ideas of the shipwrecked. All the rest is rhetoric, posturing, farce. So Jesus said this, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me will find it. I died. I had to. But now I am here. Let's pray. God, thank you. Thank you that you, um, you pursue all of us with love. You are love. God, we, uh, we choose today to just uh, reflect on this story perhaps in a new way God we choose to die to self would you help us as we then experience through this week, through today, in our relationships, in our uh, places of work, in the way we do our conversations, 
the thrill and the joy of all that happens when we allow love to win and for you to have your way. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.